0: The Edge is copyright 2006 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. And be sure to check out The Mayday Murders, another free podcast currently available by Scott Wittenberg. Chapter 4 As she stepped out of the lobby and crossed the East 80th Street, Ellen wasn't quite sure where she wanted to go. She had covered most of Lower Manhattan when she lived in Soho, and since moving to the Upper East Side, most of her photographs had been taken more or less in her neighborhood. For a moment she considered Midtown, then decided against it, since Friday night wasn't a very good time to be hanging around Times Square, unescorted and carrying a camera around like a typical tourist. Greenwich Village would be good, but she didn't feel like walking that far. Not tonight, at any rate. Feeling a little frustrated at her indecisiveness, she began walking toward Second Avenue. As she rounded the corner on Second, she headed south and began walking at a slower pace. She noticed that there were more people out and about than usual, and with that discovery, realized that this was the first dry weekend she could remember in weeks. New Yorkers were finally getting their first chance to enjoy spring. Ellen observed the throngs of people, and as she passed a couple holding hands and laughing, she felt perturbed and depressed for some reason. Shrugging it off, she made her way across 72nd Street at a quickened pace. Ellen was finding herself getting out of the mood to take pictures very quickly as she sauntered down 2nd Avenue. The fatigue she had felt earlier that evening was returning, and when she passed a pizza stand and smelled the aroma of freshly baked pizza, she realized that she was starving. She hadn't eaten since lunchtime. While she waited for the walk sign at the corner of East 69th, she spotted a French restaurant that she had heard had terrific food. When the sign changed, she headed across the street toward it. After giving the waiter her order, Ellen sipped a glass of Chablis and soaked in the atmosphere of the small crowded restaurant. In the dim, flickering candlelight, she watched as the various patrons enjoyed their meals amidst the soft music that was playing. She noticed that practically everyone was in couples, with the exception of a well-dressed elderly man who was sitting at a table across from her. Ellen realized that he was staring directly at her, and she quickly turned away. After a few moments, She glanced in his direction again, only to discover that he was still staring at her, making her feel uncomfortable. Suddenly, the man got up and came over to her table. "'Pardon me, mademoiselle, but I couldn't help but notice that you are dining alone. This is, of course, unless you are waiting for somebody, which would be most unfortunate for me. You see, I was wondering if you would care if I joined you.' He spoke in a heavy French accent. Ellen considered his proposition. Normally... She would avoid a situation like this as quickly and diplomatically as possible, but tonight she just felt too tired to retaliate. Besides, she decided, he seemed like a perfect gentleman, and a little idle conversation might perk her up. I'm not waiting on anyone, and you are more than welcome to join me if you wish. Have you ordered yet, Mr. Dupont? But you may call me Francois. I ordered shortly before you came in, and the moment you sat down I just knew I had to meet you. He motioned to the waiter, who quickly came over to the table. "'Oui, monsieur?' the waiter said. Dupont spoke in French to the waiter, who listened intently to his instructions, and Ellen couldn't help but notice the immense respect the waiter was paying him. "'Merci, monsieur Dupont,' the waiter said, then fled for the kitchen. "'And what is your name?' Dupont asked as he sat down across from Ellen. "'Ellen,' she replied. "'What a beautiful name, so simple yet so pleasing to the ears. "'You're an actress, yes?' Ellen chuckled. I'm a fashion photographer. What made you think I was an actress? Well, you're beautiful for one thing. Also, you seem to have an air about you that suggests the theater. A sort of acquired aloofness, if you please. I'm afraid that my acting days were over after my second high school play. I can never remember all those lines, much less try to act while I was struggling through them. DuPont said, It's just as well for you. Most actors and actresses seem to have trouble separating the real world from the make-believe. They become, how would you say it, stuck on themselves, and often end up becoming snobbish bores, living miserable lives. It's really quite pathetic. You seem to be particularly negative toward the acting profession, Ellen said. Surely they aren't all the way you make them out to be. Perhaps I did sound a little harsh. I suppose the reason for my rather bleak attitude is the case of my former wife. She was an actress in France, a successful one at that, Eventually, though, her profession completely consumed her. She virtually forgot who she was and became what she was, which is to say she belonged to the public. It seemed as though the more successful she became, the more alienated she became. For me, our friends, everybody. After a while, it got quite unbearable. "'Whatever happened to her?' Ellen asked. "'She finally divorced me. I would have divorced her, but I simply didn't have the grounds to.' She was never unfaithful to me, and besides, I didn't have the heart to. But she was just so pathetic. If I would have left her, it would have destroyed her fragile ego. I guess I loved her a great deal to stay as long as I did with her. Finally, though, I started having numerous affairs with hopes that she would see the light and end it all on her own terms. And that's just what happened. The last I heard, she is now a total alcoholic and none of the studios will touch her. How sad, was all that Ellen could say. ''Yes, I suppose it is. But enough of this melancholy. Tell me about yourself.'' ''There's really not a whole lot to tell,'' Ellen replied. ''As I told you before, I'm a fashion photographer, and that's just about it. I enjoy my work immensely, and I guess you could say I'm pretty successful at it. It keeps me very busy, so I don't have a whole lot of time for much else.'' ''You must be very busy to be taking your camera to dinner with you,'' DuPont declared, eyeing her camera bag lying near her purse on the table.'' "'Oh, that!' she exclaimed. "'Actually, I came in here on a sudden impulse. "'I was just on my way to take a few pictures of the city, "'which is a little project I'm doing in my spare time. "'I'm trying to photograph as much as I can "'of the obvious and not-so-obvious treasures in New York "'and eventually hope to make a book from them. "'My, you are an ambitious one. "'But tell me, are you married or have a boyfriend?' he asked. "'Ellen hesitated. "'She always resented questions about her personal life, particularly from people who didn't know her. She decided to dodge the question as best she could. I'm very happily single. You haven't told me about yourself, Mr. DuPont. What do you do? Please call me Francois. It always makes me feel old when young ladies use that form of address. It's almost embarrassing to answer your question, Ellen, but I will nevertheless. I do absolutely nothing, though many people consider me a very important person. I'm chairman of the board for a rather large company that I needn't name for the sake of boredom. I've been wealthy my entire life, and you might say that I resent it, that there is little I can do about it. Once you've lived the life of having virtually everything that money can buy, there is just no turning back. But let me tell you while you're young, and have your whole future ahead of you, that money is merely an evil disguised as a blessing. Money and wealth simply can't buy the things that one really wants and needs in life. I know that this probably sounds ludicrous coming from someone such as myself. But believe me, it is true. I am living proof of it." "'What on earth do you mean, Francois?' Ellen quizzed. "'In a word, I'm lonely. Ever since my wife, I have loved no one else. I still love her, for that matter, at least the person she used to be. I simply can't get over the memories of her and how happy we were. It may sound old-fashioned. But I've always believed that one can only be in love once in one's life. And when love comes to you, you know it. There is simply no such thing as learning to love somebody. Perhaps that is why there are so many divorces nowadays. At any rate, I will spare you any further of my worldly philosophy. But if what you say is true, why don't you go back to your wife? It sounds like she needs you. And you, her. She wants nothing to do with me. She still can't forgive me for prompting our divorce, although I thought I was doing it for her own good. As it is, I suppose I made the wrong move after all. A trace of sadness showed in his eyes. But there are other women in the world. Surely you could find someone to care for you and be with, couldn't you? Ellen pressed. I've tried. Countless times. But it's always the same. I'm cursed with this wealth, and I know that my wealth is what attracts women to me. I could just never feel assured that they were with me for myself, particularly at my age. No, Ellen, it's simply too late for me. I've long since accepted that fact, and I suppose I'll simply die a lonely man. Ellen was baffled. She couldn't understand how someone as charming, and obviously wealthy, as Francois Dupont could be so miserable and lonely. Surely he must be bluffing, she thought. Yet... For some reason, Ellen felt that what he told her was the truth, as totally as absurd as it seemed. Suddenly she felt the need to help him. But how could she help someone who had everything, or at least, almost everything? "'Is there anything I can do to help, Francois?' she finally said. DuPont chuckled. "'Ellen, my dear, you have already helped me just by sitting here with me and listening to an old man's woes. You know, you remind me a great deal of her, my ex-wife, that is.' when she was a young and vital young lady. That's why you caught me staring at you earlier. The resemblance is uncanny. He paused for a moment before continuing. There is something you can do for me, Ellen. You can promise me that you won't let your career take over your life, as it did hers. You are a very beautiful and sweet young lady, and I should like to think that you will always be happy. Will you promise me that, Ellen? He asked, his eyes fixed on her ellen considered his odd request and smiled sweetly at him i promise francois splendid he exclaimed triumphantly the waiter came with their meals and as they ate ellen spoke about her pet project and her plans for the future throughout the conversation dupont realized that ellen never once mentioned a boyfriend or any friends at all for that matter which he thought peculiar he decided that she was perhaps going through some kind of phase he still couldn't help but detect a sort of emptiness and alienation that emanated from her. Furthermore, whenever he queried her about her personal life, he noticed the way she would change the subject abruptly, or avoid answering them altogether. He didn't want to appear as if he were prying into her affairs, so he thought it best not to push her, although the temptation to do so was very great at times. After they had finished their meals and he was paying the check, Dupont was left with an almost overwhelming feeling that Ellen was keeping a tremendous amount of troubles locked up inside of herself. The couple went outside, and as they stood together on the sidewalk, Francois gently placed his hands on Ellen's shoulders and stared directly into her eyes. "'It has been a splendid evening, Ellen. Perhaps we may do it again sometime, We?" "'I would like that very much, Francois,' Ellen replied. "'Do you have a number I can reach you at?' "'Better yet, I'll give you one of my business cards.' "'Ellen found a card in her purse and handed it over to Francois. "'Thank you, Ellen. I have enjoyed your company immensely, "'and I must commend you for putting up with my idle chatter so graciously. "'I hope I haven't been too tedious.' "'Oh, no, Francois. Quite the contrary. "'I've had a wonderful time, and we must get together again sometime soon,' Ellen said. "'Excellent. Shall I hail you a cab?' "'No, thanks. I live only a few blocks away. "'Besides, I enjoy walking.' Then allow me to accompany you. Oh, that won't be necessary. Thanks for offering, anyway. Very well, then, he said. He leaned over and kissed her on the cheek. Remember your promise to me, We, oui? I will, Francois. Good night. Good night, Ellen. As she walked away, Ellen thought about her dinner with Francois Dupont. She had enjoyed herself thoroughly, as she realized that her spirits were now incredibly high in contrast to the way they had been prior to her meeting with him. She still found it hard to believe that he was as lonely as he had led her to believe, and she wondered how it could possibly be so. Apparently he had been exaggerating to make a point to her, for whatever reason, she thought. But then, maybe he really was lonely, and merely too stubborn to do anything about it. Suddenly she felt confused about the whole affair, and decided to dismiss the entire subject from her mind. Shaking her head, she crossed 72nd Street and proceeded up 2nd Avenue. When she reached her apartment, Ellen decided that she'd do a little of the bookwork she had been putting off before turning in for the night. She glanced at the living room clock. It was only 12.30. She tossed her camera bag onto the sofa, then went over to the desk and sat down. She began sifting through her appointment book and estimated the supplies she would need for next week. She scratched down a list of materials she was running low on and decided that Monday she would have Ted run down to the photo supply store to pick them up. Having done this, she went through her bills and wrote out the necessary checks to cover them, carefully balancing her checkbook as she did so. She was pleased to note that she had plenty of money in her checking account, thus saving her a trip to the bank. After she had written the last check, Ellen thought of what Francois had told her. Something about money being an evil disguised as a blessing. He should talk, she mused. The only evil thing about money would be having to do without it. After all, Why work in the first place if you have nothing to show for it? Of course, he had probably never had to work a day in his life, so naturally he took it for granted. But to actually resent having it? I really doubt it, Francois. And what was that promise the old man had coerced her into making him? Don't let your career dominate you, or some such foolishness? Very easy for him to say. He'd never even had a career. François merely soaked himself in his own wealth while he stood by and watched his wife's career go all to hell. Apparently, the poor gal shouldn't have married him in the first place. She would have been much better off making it on her own, instead of letting Monsieur moneybags into her life. Oh, well, c'est la vie, as they say. He was probably a con artist of some kind. To think that she had actually swallowed all that bullshit he was handing her. I sure hope he doesn't call me, Ellen thought. Why had she given him her damn business card, for Christ's sakes? With a sigh, Ellen got up from the desk and went into the kitchen. She poured herself a tall gin and tonic, then turned out the lights as she made her way through the living room to the bedroom. After washing up in the bathroom, she got out of her clothes, turned on the television, and slipped into bed. As she sipped her drink and stared blankly at the screen, Ellen felt herself growing painfully tired and depressed she was grateful for her weariness though and decided that she was certainly tired enough to fall asleep she turned off the television and within minutes was out like a light